Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Hey, everyone. Uh, Well, we formed a book review blog because we love books. There's a lot of great speculative fiction out there that goes beyond books. So today we're talking about all kinds of fantasy and science fiction and anything speculative that aren't books. Um, So I guess today we have with us... I'm Jenya. I'm Tim. Thank you. I'm Travis. I'm Cook. Okay. Uh, Well, I'd ask what everyone is reading, but that doesn't necessarily fit today's topic. Uh, so what aren't you reading? Any good games you've played, songs you've listened to, movies you've watched, shows you've seen? So I'm currently like really looking forward to Disenchantment and The Dragon Prince both coming back to Netflix. I've been watching a little bit of um, Carnival Row on Amazon Prime until I got rid of my internet connection. Um, so <laughs> take a little bit of a break for that, but I'll be back to it soon. I just finished re-watching an anime called Another and... I really liked it. Yeah, I was going to ask, does anime manga count? Because I just finished rereading the last 400 or 500 chapters of One Piece. Yeah, the last 400 chapters of One Piece, which uh, is a lot, but it was really, really, really good. And I am currently listening to an audio drama called Caravan. It's great. It's kind of like a weird Western, kind of like a portal fantasy. And the main character is non-white. They're non-thin and they're either gay or bisexual. Uh, and so it's kind of a different protagonist than I'm used to normally seeing in Westerns. Uh, so I'm only a couple episodes in, but we'll see how that goes. So, like, Jamie, you mentioned, like, manga. So I've always wondered, is that as bingeable as it seems on the outside? Because I never hear of someone say, oh, you know, I read one manga. It's always in the dozens or hundreds. I guess so. I guess it's not that different from books, though, right? I mean, it's pretty rare that you'll have somebody say, I've only read one fantasy book. It's usually, like... I'm a fan, and you can see it from my bookshelf. Um, and uh, with manga, it's uh, there's a new thing out at the moment where uh, people in the US, not in other countries, but people in the US can read a bunch of manga from one of the really popular magazines uh, for just something like a couple euros, uh, a couple dollars a month, and they have a huge backlog catalog. Um, so it's actually really, really easy to binge them, especially because you can just read it online. And there's a lot. Um, but it's because it's uh, usually uh, chapters come out once a week or once a month. Um, and if they come out once a month, they're longer. So, you know, there's always something to look forward to and there's always something happening. And the big magazines, they publish, I don't know, 20 maybe series uh, concurrently. So as soon as something ends, something else takes its place. So, you know, you're there's always shit, shit to read. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, does actually manga or comic books count as non-book SFF? I I'd say so. Uh, I mean, they're kind of in a print medium like books or ebooks as well, but a lot of people who read books don't necessarily read manga or comics. Yeah, what are we classifying as, you know, non-book? Because there's, like, web serials too, which mm-hmm. are very, very book-like, but are not a book. Uh, I'd say that's different enough. I mean, anything that you can't, say, buy on Amazon or buy directly from an author or... I don't know. I feel like that's probably even too limiting right there, but I count web serials. As you can see, we are very, very organized and know exactly <laughs> what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Obviously. 
what is your as a as another thing what so those things are kind of close to books but what is something that is not an sff uh, or that it is sff but is not a book which you've experienced which is like really out there um so for example i just remember because we recorded this podcast already once but then we lost the audio um and i remember that at the very very end i remember that i'd done a zombie run uh which i would also <laughs> consider in this category i guess um a zombie run is just when you have some uh, obstacle course or something that you have to do and as you're doing it people dressed up as zombies are chasing you and it's uh really uh it's one of the most frightening experiences of my life because by the time we did it it was already 8 or 9 p.m and it was very dark and the people who were dressed up as zombies were really giving it their all with all the makeup and everything else and uh if you ever have a chance to do something like that everybody should do it and i think that's one of the most like crazy sff in real life experiences i've ever done what about you guys that sounds so cool though it was great uh it was a scottish um thing actually or british anyway but they are out of money so they had to they went bankrupt so you can't do it anymore yeah, they'd uh, they'd cut off. Sorry, they cut off like whole like a whole block basically, um, or a, a few blocks where where you could like run around in an abandoned warehouse and everything like that. So yeah, I do something not entirely dissimilar um, called live action roleplay or LARP, which um, is kind of like Dungeons and Dragons except instead of on a tabletop, you're playing it in real life. Um, so I'm part of a combat LARP, um, which, as the name suggests, is quite combat heavy but there's also a fair bit of fantasy inspired role play magic um and a lot of people dressed up as medieval characters of some sort whacking each other with foam swords which is always good fun um yeah so every thursday night i dress up as a medieval pirate um and go and whack people with foam swords there are people there who do magic and um your reaction to magic is at least in the game i play very independent of everything else so you kind of gauge how much effort they put into casting their magic and take it based on the effort they put in so um you get some really interesting things on field with different sorts of magic ha- magic happening and how people react to it and um yeah there's all these different war bands which are inspired by different cultures or um time periods um so as i said i'm in a pirate war band there was one based off the crusaders um one based on Arthur in england those sorts of things yeah, it's quite fun. One time I went to a Ren Faire dressed vaguely as a Link. <laughs> vaguely. <laughs> I had a green shirt. <laughs> Sorry, that was it. I had a green shirt. <laughs> brown, <laughs> in brown pants. You sound more like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo than you sound like Link, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends actually comes out as like a picture-perfect version of robin hood like you look at him he's in the whole robin hood outfit um bow and arrow red hair everything you look at him it's like he could actually be robin hood oh that's cool and then because he's not on my team he shoots me and i die <laughs> i always wondered like do you know how you get those escape the room things and they're always kind of vaguely like sherlock holmes themed or whatever there's bound to be some you know sci-fi or fantasy based escape the rooms surely Oh, there is. I saw a, um, there's a YouTube channel, I think Chris Ramsey, uh, he does a lot of puzzle stuff and magic stuff, and uh, he actually hired some people to create a custom Game of Thrones escape the room for him and his friends, and he posted a video. What, what are they escaping? Um, well, they're trying to find, it's more like they're trying to... Um, get to the final room um so there are three sections 
and the end goal is to get the throne, the crown. I've never seen Game of Thrones or read the book, so, you know, spoilers if you watch the video and haven't seen the final season. I think it came out before the finale. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen Escape the Room ones where you have to escape zombies. Zombies are everywhere, I guess. Yeah, my uh, wife actually went to an escape the room that was zombie themed, and I've never heard of an escape room like this before, but there was actually an actor uh, <laughs> dressed up as a zombie with face paint and everything, uh, and they were attached to a oh, chain no. in the corner of the room, and as the time went on, the chain got longer, so it would get closer and closer <laughs> to you, <laughs> which sounds super cool. I would have a panic attack there. Oh my god. <laughs> but that sounds really cool. Uh, so what about television? Uh, is there any kind of TV shows that you guys like? Or I guess, okay, everyone pick one TV show, uh, that you feel like is, I guess, a really, uh, interesting or powerful piece of speculative fiction. The Good Place. What do you like about The Good Place? It's different. Like, it's a sitcom, effectively, but it's a very speculative fiction sitcom that drags in all these elements that have never been used for sitcoms before and throws them together and says, what if we made this really, really abstract? And they have great Australian accents too, right? No, the Australian accents are awful. (laughs) No. Um, I I guess I'll say Over the Garden Wall. Can I say that one? Yeah. Yeah, over the garden wall. I, think... I am so so surprised you didn't say Pokemon. <laughs> and Pokemon, um, obviously. I don't want to pick the most obvious example, um, but yeah, I've heard. For me, this is sound weird, but over the garden wall, after watching it, is like, what did I just watch? I feel really weird. It's super uncanny. I guess I saw someone describe it as. If, oh my god, who was it? Um, the guy who does Studio Ghibli. Uh, Miyazaki. Yeah, someone described it as if Miyazaki made an American Gothic series. And it's with Elijah Wood, right? Uh-huh. So even more, even more fantasy references. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a really, it's a quick, it's a mini-series, so in total it's like two and a half hours long. Um... And it's just, it has a lot of kind of neat Easter egg things. So it's super rewatchable. Um, and I think it has something for everyone um, in terms of age. Um, and it also has some interesting music, like an alphabet song, that if I learned it in kindergarten, well, my parents would be concerned. Um. So uh, we wanted to do a anime slash manga episode, I think, at some point, like one just about that. Uh, so I'll leave aside all of that. Uh, but I really like Lost <laughs> as a TV series. I know, I know it gets a really bad rap. I know that the ending is not that great. But I think that the first few seasons, especially, well, Excuse the first you. few seasons, especially, where pe- you really didn't know what was going on and you didn't know what was possible and like, like what the rules are. Uh, whether how much was going to be science, how much was going to be uh, like just fantasy, basically. I think that there was a lot of really good stuff done and lost. And I think that um, a lot of 
the big fantasy series that we can see nowadays. I think it was, in my opinion, it's in part because Lost showed that, you know, people are actually also into this kind of stuff. I mean, of course, Game of Thrones came later, but but Lost also played a part, I think. Yeah, I think, I think what's interesting about Lost is how kind of over time it was revealed to be mm-hmm. SFF. You know, it's like at first, it's like, oh, this is like a realistic situation, but then... Yeah. You know how the rest goes. Yeah, although like the first the first night when they hear in the first episode when they hear these like monster noises, I don't know, it's just I rewatch the first couple episodes more often than I do anything else because I get friends into it and then they continue on their own. Um so I have like those scenes really really strongly in my in my memory and it's just always this amazing moment when the monster noises start. Yeah. What about you, Hugh? Uh well, I've been sitting thinking about this because when Cop put up Elijah Wood, I just had a flashback to, and I don't know if this is a real TV <laughs> show, so bear with me, but I seem to recall being inebriated in some fashion and watching a TV show where Elijah Wood had a dog, but everyone else saw the dog as a dog, but when it was just Elijah Wood and his dog, he saw the dog as a man in a dog costume. <laughs> that, that is a real show. That is a real show. It's called Wilfred. Yeah. I need to go and watch this now because I remember being so fucking confused watching that. But is it like a... Oh, of course, it's an Australian series. <laughs> is it a joke thing or is it a, like, is it a plot-relevant thing with a dog? I think the dog was the, like, entire purpose of the show, but like I said, <laughs> I, I was not in a state to fully appreciate it. It went so well that they made a second one? There's an Australian version and there's an American version. Are you serious? Starring different people. So they liked it so much, they went and made a second version of it. I don't think the American one was that popular because I've never Yeah, what is this? I want to watch this. Which one is the Elijah Wood version? The American one. Okay. Everyone else sees Winfred is just, uh, Wilfred is just a dog. What? But he's still Australian in in the American version? Am I getting this right? I think <laughs> Okay, so let's see. It says the story of a depressed man who inexplicably is the only one who can see his neighbor's dog as a full-grown man in a dog suit. And the cover of the show is a man in a dog suit licking Elijah Wood in the face, at least for the American version. Man. <laughs> for the Australian version, it says Wilfred, Sarah's dog, is nine years old and one sixteen dingo. The rest is a mix of German Shepherd and Labrador. He is protective of his odor insecure and manipulative towards her boyfriends. He smokes cigarettes and marijuana, drinks beer, eats just junks food, and is prone to foul language. <laughs> Man, I'm so into Elijah Wood just doing all this weird random shit after Lord of the Rings. Like, I just like him. I follow him on Twitter and he also just posts this dark, weird shit every once in a while. Like, he's amazing. <laughs> uh, wait, wait. Oh, look, there's one, uh, going down Google Images, there's one where there's also a female dog <laughs> in this dog costume. <laughs> okay, no, so this is really cracking me up, if I'm understanding this correctly. So, the original version I'm seeing is in 2007, uh, and it stars Jason Gann as the man in the dog suit. The remake in 2011 also stars Jason Gann as the man in the dog suit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. Is he still fat, Dingo? Wait, wait, wait. When did you say this came out? Uh, at least looking at IMDb, it looks like 2007 was one version and then 2011 was another. Uh, what? I was a <laughs> <I was> drunk. <laughs> 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 
Elijah Wood is everywhere. Oh, it's not on Netflix. That sucks. I would totally watch it if it was on Netflix. <laughs> what a strange dude. Okay, well, for me, uh, a show that I love, and I'm actually really surprised, Jenya, that you didn't mention this, is Galavant. Oh my god, uh, yes! <laughs> right? Uh, so I, I love musicals of all kinds, and I also love comedies. Uh, so this is perfect, because it's a comedic fantasy, kind of like your stereotypical medieval England, like the knight goes off to save the princess, uh, and it's in musical format. But in the very opening montage of the entire show, like the first three minutes, so this isn't a spoiler, uh, the knight like fights his way through the castle. Uh, he's ready to save his princess who was kidnapped by the evil king. And she's like, mm, actually, I kind of want to stay with the king because money and power are kind of awesome. Uh, and so then the knight's all depressed. Uh, and that's sort of the kicking off point for the series. Uh, fantastic. I really, really wish it had gone for more than two seasons. Uh, and that was kind of an in-joke in the show as well. They'd always sing about how they really hope they got another season because they might get canceled. Uh, and unfortunately, it was canceled. Uh, but it's a great show. Yeah, that show is really, 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 really good. Um, especially because like everyone in that show is really hot and <laughs> no, but also like the songs are really fun. It's, uh, the creator of the songs, I think wrote for the little mermaid, um, the songs for that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Alan Menken. Yeah. A lot mm -hmm. of Disney movies actually. Yeah. And there's a lot of cameos from random, the most random people, like the dad from Downton Abbey or a weird Al. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like in 20 years, it's going to be one of those weird cult classic hits. <laughs> well, not hits, but yeah. Probably. That is really weird to go back and watch shows and be like, wait a second, that guy yeah. was a guest in this show? Like, uh, I guess to keep it on topic, I relatively recently rewatched all of uh, the show called Charmed. By recently, I mean like two years ago. Um, but I remember the actor who played Dwight from The Office makes a cameo in one episode, for example. And I remember thinking, like, wait a second, that's, that's Dwight. <laughs> what is he doing as a demon? <laughs> so what about uh, graphic novels or comics or manga? Uh, does anyone have any of those that they really enjoy? So enjoyed? like I said, I recently reread re One Piece, um, or the first or the last 400 chapters of One Piece. Uh, it's, it's 950 chapters at the moment. Um, and each chapter is 20 pages. <laughs> uh, and it's a, it's a manga about uh, a group of pirates who go on an adventure and the main character he wants to be the pirate king and he wants to find the super secret treasure at the end of the world at the end of like the the, the ocean basically that the last pirates king left behind uh it's really silly it's an extremely silly uh story because um they have like these superpowers uh, a lot of them do if you eat a, a fruit then it can give you powers and the powers are everything from i don't know uh being able to turn into sand and like make other things turn into sand so that's a really powerful thing or the main character his main power is just that he uh, having turned himself into rubber, so all his limbs are rubber and they stretch uh, and so on. Or other people have uh, like the ability to turn into a giraffe or whatever. And I mean, I mean the, the author is really good at making all these dumbass powers into something really fun to read about and really uh, fun action scenes in it as well. And there's a lot of uh, like feeling of friendship and the theme of friendship in it. Um, so it's pretty famous as a manga. It's one of the most famous ones in the world. It has sold like, I don't know, the most copies or one of the ones that has sold the most copies in the world. Uh, so I guess if you have read manga before, you know of it. And if you don't haven't read manga before, the 950 chapters is like a lot um, to want to start out with. But if you keep thinking, should I get into it or not? You should, I guess. <laughs> Whoever is randomly listening to, to this and is on the fence, yes, get into it. It's awesome. It's great. It's very tropey, but in a good way. I'm trying to find, I remember... 
if you're just talking about like manga and comic books and stuff, I read one series that uh, has like anthropomorphic animals. It was like a, I'm trying to find it. Um, so what I remember, and I read this years ago, um, there was this like kingdom in the sky that was attacked, I think. And then all of a sudden, uh, everyone had to live on the ground and the different kind of factions, uh, you know, like formed. What's it called? I'm giving a great description. I know. Um, <laughs> it's, it sure does have a name. Um, <laughs> it's called, uh, oh my God. And I can't, I'm trying to remember when I bought it because I bought it from Amazon. Uh, but I guess in the meantime, and then come back and you can just say the word <laughs> in a completely different like, tone of voice. So it's obvious it's just been spliced in. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, the series is called Animals. Um, no. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> but yeah, I... So I guess I can talk about another one that I actually know. So there's um, a, I guess, graphic novel called Here by, I think it's Richard McGuire. Yeah, but here by Richard McGuire. Okay, so this is one of the strangest graphic novels I've ever experienced. It's a single corner of a room, but in different time periods. And so it's just, here's the room in 1972. Here's that same like space in the year 400 and stuff like that. And... At first, it's, it doesn't really have any SFF elements, but as it progresses, there's sort of subtle kind of nods to um, speculative fiction. For example, it'll have, uh, here's the room kind of both in 1987 and in 2062, and kind of overlaid to each other. Or here's the room, um, like that same space, that same corner in the year 4000. Uh, so it's not really fantastical elements, it's more science fiction elements, but it's definitely one of the strangest, but also, um, kind of definitely visually appealing, um, graphic novels that I don't want to say red because most of it's just images, but, um, I would definitely still recommend it. Okay, so speaking of visually appealing graphic novels, uh, one that I absolutely love is called Monstrous, and that's uh, written by Marjorie Liu, and the art is by Sana Takeda. I really hope I'm pronouncing those names correctly, but I'm probably not. Um, and so, uh, not that awards are the be-all, end-all indicator of quality, but to give you an idea, there's currently three volumes of Monstrous released. All three have won the Hugo Award for Best Graphic Novel, and in 2018, uh, Sana Takeda was uh, the award winner for Best Professional Artist uh, because the art quality is just truly amazing in this graphic novel. Uh, and the story is amazing as well. You've got uh, 
talking cats uh, who drop pieces of lore and wisdom on you uh, <laughs> in between chapters, which is definitely not the highlight of the story. I just love talking cats. Um, and you've got like this uh, kind of steampunk, kind of like dark, monstrous kind of fantasy. I mean, obviously the title's called Monstrous, but the other kind of monstrous as well, where the world's just full of these different monsters. Um, and it's a really, really interesting story. Uh, very epic fantasy, uh, which I had not experienced before in graphic novel format. Uh, but I'm also fairly new to graphic novels. So this was probably my introduction to graphic novels outside of superheroes. Um, and it was a fantastic introduction. Well, what about, uh, I guess, moving away from book-related formats? Uh, what about video games? I'm still waiting for Dragon Age 4 to release. Uh, but Dragon Age, the Dragon Age series in general, everyone should uh, play that. <laughs> it's, in, um, it's a role-play game. Um, which is set in a kind of medievalish fantasy kingdom, I guess, and uh, it's you can play either a warrior or a rogue person or a mage, but like the mages are all discriminated against because they are considered to have like this power that's too difficult to um, uh, to use without being possessed by demons if they use it a lot, and um, it's just a really interesting kind of dark. Uh, Especially the first game is pretty dark in nature, and the second one as well. The third one is more classic epic fantasy, I guess, um, with uh, you having to make a lot of these choices uh, about what you want to do, who you want to side with, um, and it's and you get to choose who you want to romance or who you want to be friends with, and so on. It's just a really, really good series, um, and it's made by Bioware, who also makes the Mass Effect series, but that's set in space, and so I have never played that. <laughs> but Dragon Age is really good. I've been really into The Legend of Zelda. Um, recently, just the different kind of lore behind the games and all that stuff. I don't know much about, I don't know much about The Legend of Zelda. How does it work with the lore? Like all the games, are all the games connected or is it? Yes. Okay. So there's, um, there are, I don't know how many games there are, um, but there are different timelines um, do you know the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time? I mean, I, I know it exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in that game, Link, the main character, travels through time, um, seven years into the future, where everything is just horrible and awful because the big bad uh, Ganondorf has taken over. And at the end of the game... Uh, spoilers, you fight Ganondorf. Uh, and then there's a kind of, what happens is there's a timeline split because of it um, and because of the after effects of the fight. So there is, the hero is defeated, which means that uh, Ganondorf kills you or kills Link. And this timeline is basically, if I understand it correctly, all of the games where the character Ganon, like this evil boar-like creature, appears. Um, and kind of the things that connect to those games are uh, Ganon is the big bad, Zoras are evil. Um, it's like this apocalyptic world. So for example, the f I think the first ever Legend of Zelda game is in the Heroes Defeated timeline. Um, there's the hero um, lives. There's three timelines. Um, Heroes defeated. Um, oh, the hero lives. Um, adult timeline. 
And then there's also the Hero Lives Child timeline. Um, so basically, there's um, the most obvious one is Majora's Mask, which is a direct sequel to uh, Ocarina of Time, is in the child timeline because it's when he goes back to being a child. And then the example of the adult timeline is The Wind Waker, because um, it talks about how there was a hero a long time ago, but then all of a sudden he disappeared and uh, the world was flooded. And so all this bad stuff happened um, because there's no more Link isn't there anymore. He went back in time in this uh, <laughs> seven-year future. Yeah. So it's really convoluted, but I just like the game. <laughs> okay, well, I guess moving on from video games, what about web serials? I know, Hugh, you're always going on about how great The Wandering Inn by Pirate Abbott is. You want to talk about that? Hey, that is just glorious. Like, you start off, you've got just this young woman who finds her way into a fantasy world and runs away from a dragon, and then you are, like, willing her on as she learns how to cook pasta and clean an abandoned inn and take over. And it's just so wholesome and lovely. And, yeah, there's, like... The way web serials work is depending on how uh, often the writer updates it. So you might have a chapter a week or two chapters a week, which is what The Wandering In does. So that means, you know, the author then needs to put out two chapters worth of material a week. So they're writing at basically from the seat of their pants. And so you do get a lot more of like author clocks coming through. Like if you read The Wandering In, people stare at each other so much. It's he stared, it stared, I stared. But just so lovely like you spend all this time with the characters like i said the cook pasta she learns how to avoid being blown up by giant tnt trees <laughs> and there's like ant people dinosaur people lizard people it's just fantasy as fuck but so lovely um i don't read uh web serials except i don't know if you can count fanfic as a web serial i guess um and also a webcomic that I do read, though, is Wittershins by Kate Ashwin. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, do webcomics count as a web serial? Because they're online for free with ads. Yeah. Um, so it's set in this kind of alternate uh, Victorian era kind of world, except that there there's magic. And uh, the way that magic is done is by asking uh, like these spirits for help, basically. But uh, something sometimes things can go a little bit off. Like for example, if you say the spell wrong, um, and then instead of getting a uh, like a good spirit to help you, you get like a what they call a bugger up because you you fucked up <laughs> as you were as you were making it. And so um, the this, the webcomic has been going for a really long time now, and there's about. Um, I think nine different, yeah, the ninth chapter just started coming out. Uh, and each one kind of follows a different uh, protagonist or sometimes the same protagonist just a little while later. Um, and it's uh, really, really, really fun to read about. So one of the protagonists is a bounty hunter. Um, and then uh, it, with, with the main characters being the bounty hunter and her assistant, the assistant being a guy who was wanted to train to be a wizard, but he got kicked out of uh, uni. And now he does uh, stage magic on the street. Um, so he's a magician instead of a wizard, basically. Yeah. And it's a really, really great comic that everybody should check out, I guess. It's kind of steampunky and kind of and like very fantasy. So I haven't, as of the time of this recording, um, I haven't started it yet, but I do plan to. Um, there's a web serial called The Fairyman's Apprentice by Lee Cope. 
and it's about this guy named Willem Triss who dies. Uh, it's not a spoiler. Um, and he is given two options. One is to become the ferryman's apprentice on the, I think it's the River Styx, um, or he can go back to the human world, um, the living world. The hook, um, which the author told me, is a story about a boy with a questionable relationship to life and his best friend, a girl with a questionable relationship to death. Um, it just seems like a really interesting um, kind of web serial that I really want to start reading. Um, it's on whimsyandmetaphor.com. So <laughs> when I do get around to reading it, then I'm sure I'll love it. Because when I um, talked with the author, um, the way they described it was kind of something that I think I would really like. What about you, Travis? Um, so the main web serial that I've read uh, is Worm by Wildbow. And it's well known for being like this epic, dark superhero type story. Uh, so it's about a girl who discovers that she has the ability to control bugs, which could be a cool power, could be a lame power, uh, depending on what you do with it. Uh, but this girl does crazy stuff with it. Um, so it's, I think, considered to be rational fiction, where, or at least something uh, bordering that genre, where everything is incredibly logical. If you can imagine something that a hero could do with their powers, they probably explore that in the web serial. And uh, it's kind of... A story about doing the wrong things for the right reasons, where the girl ends up being confused for the villains because her costume looks like a bug and it's kind of scary looking. And so she decides to just roll with it and infiltrate the villains and hopefully do good from within. And it's about how that sort of doesn't go as planned, uh, to put it mildly. I always thought that one was like perhaps the most bingeable thing I have ever read in my life. Like, Wild Bow is insanely good at keeping the tension and the action sustained for like a prolonged period of time. I agree 100%. I know most people who I've talked to who have read Worm, it's the kind of thing where your productivity drops for about a month and you're sleeping less and you're stealing spare moments whenever you can to finish reading the story. Uh, since I think overall it's about 5,000 or so pages, give or take, for the initial story, there's now a sequel web serial called Ward, which is pretty far in i believe it's been going for a year and a half maybe two years now uh so yeah overall it's gonna be a really long story and hopefully it's just as bingeable as the original worm yeah i don't actually think i came across anyone who's been reading what but yeah are people waiting for like a vacation to come up <laughs> so anyway should we wrap up uh soon but there is one other form of non-book speculative fiction that i'd like to bring up does uh, it start with an a <laughs> does it start with an a and then an ama uh no actually uh i'm gonna say podcasts more generally speaking uh but yes some of those podcasts are audio dramas um and so i know i'm not the only one who actually uh listens to speculative fiction adjacent podcasts so i know uh Genia, you actually got me into listening reading glasses. Yeah, um, but that is not 
a fantasy thing. <laughs> but they, they, no, it's not. But uh, one of the two hosts of Reading Glasses is a speculative fiction writer, <laughs> and they often have speculative fiction guests come on. Um, so sometimes those are authors, sometimes uh, they're creative directors for a publisher. Uh, so you get kind of a behind-the-scenes experience for speculative fiction. Uh, and that's not in all the episodes. A lot of it covers other genres yeah. as well. Yeah, so it's a book podcast, and it's uh, really great. You guys should check it out. Um, they, uh, What I really like is that they always talk about a really wide um, genre of books or different types of books. And so whenever I listen to them, I always feel like, you know, I can I can really easily find uh, books that I might be interested in as well. And they do interview a lot of authors as well. That's true. Uh, I think one of the recent episodes has uh, J.Y. Yang on it. Um, okay. And but yeah. I will also talk about audio dramas. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> uh, there's there's so many out there. Um, probably the big one that I recently finished listening to is called The Once in Future Nerd. And it's basically imagine just your standard, there's a bunch of kids in high school, then all of a sudden something happens and they're trapped in this fantasy type world. Uh, and it's what they do from there. So it starts out, it's pretty rough, I would say, to begin with. Um, the sound quality is not quite there. You can tell people are on different microphones. Uh, that improves, so that's not really an issue. Uh, the characters are a little bit caricatures to begin with. You've got uh, the high school jock who only thinks about sports and makes bad jokes. Uh, you've got the nerd who's making Lord of the Rings references all the time. And you've got uh, the cheerleader who uh, seems like she might be a little stereotypical, not that smart, uh, but it turns out that she's actually putting on that front because she wants to fit in. And she's actually like brilliant when it comes to uh, biology and chemistry and literature. And over time, these characters really evolve. Uh, it's uh, pure epic fantasy and goes on for, I think, as of this recording, there's maybe like 40 to 50 hours of content. Um, which is at least probably the length of a full fantasy trilogy. Um, but it it's really good at character development and exploring issues that aren't always explored in fantasy. Um, so over time, the characters are not caricatures at all. Um, there's a lot of depth and nuance to them. There's multiple characters of color, uh, and there's some interesting dialogue between a black person from our world who's transported into a fantasy world and a black person who... Uh, the cultures are different in the fantasy world, and they don't necessarily understand each other uh, and their experiences with race. There's uh, probably my favorite depiction of elves, who are basically uh, colonizers of the other fantasy races, and they like to act like they're all high and mighty, but they're actually probably the most despicable beings in the universe, um, which I thought was really well handled. Um, and I really like how they portray orcs as well um, as a lot more relatable and humanized or humanoidized <laughs> uh then you see i guess in like your classic tolkien inspired <laughs> fantasy all right thank you for hearing me <laughs> i will step off my audio drama podium do you guys listen to audio dramas has has travis managed to convert you uh he managed to convince me to pick up wolf 359 i believe and the great sessions i think uh I haven't listened to Wolf 359 in a while, but that was quite interesting. Basically, people out in space kind of looking for alien life, I believe. And it's all kind of very boring at first. Like, their lives are boring, but they kind of spice things up by it being a bit ridiculous. But then things get a bit crazy when they think they might actually find life and all sorts of, like, Earth politics come into things. 
and the crew, which is a very small crew of only like three, four people, start to get at each other's throats. Uh, I've started some, or I started one uh, that I can't remember the name of. Um, Was it Love and Luck? It might have been. Is that the one where it's uh, the college kind of radio station and um, these the two people um, find out that they can influence each other's lives magically? I think so. Was it Australian? It maybe. Hold on. Let me see. I actually haven't listened to it before. I just know that I remember at some point you had mentioned you were going to try it. Yeah, it's Love and Luck. And I started it. It was really good. Um, but life just got super busy for me. Um, but yeah, it's called Love and Luck. And let me just pull up the about thing um so love and luck is a fictional radio play podcast told via voicemails um it's slice of life and has um really good lgbt rep um so it's about these two men who fall in love and they learn they have magic powers um that they use to influence their community um and it says made for people who like healthy relationships and happy endings so I know, depending on the order of these episodes, um, the po- our podcast, I mean, we have done or we are doing a romance episode. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I think this is probably a, a good uh, kind of feel good um, fantasy romance uh, audio drama that I listened to the first maybe like 10 episodes and it's super bingeable and it's just one of those things that um kind of just makes you feel good so yeah i also got talked into um the strange case of starship iris which was really good again recommended by travis it was really good reminded me a bit of um becky chambers uh so the only one Wait, yeah. So the only um, one I've ever l- heard, listened to is "Welcome to Nightway- Night Vale." Uh, have you have you heard it, uh, Travis? Or have you listened to um, it? I have tried mm-hmm. a couple episodes of it. Uh, unfortunately, I, I kind yeah. of really bounced off of it. Um, it's for me. It feels, and I, I, I know there's an overarching story if you listen to enough episodes. But for me, it felt like it was a bunch of thirty-second to two-minute-long unrelated stories. Uh, and it was hard for me to really connect with that. Um, but I keep hearing amazing things about it, and I'll probably give it another shot at some point. Yeah, yeah, like I liked it a lot because it really felt like just ra- listening to a random radio program, which is the premise of the show, that uh, it's a radio program, but the town that it's been running is uh, really bonkers. So crazy things happen there. There's angels and there's uh, monsters. Uh, it's quite uh, Lovecraftian, I suppose, in a way. Um, and it's uh, it's... It, there is an yeah it's true that there that the overarching plot takes a very long time to get to like about 15 episodes or so and in the first few it's really just like a local radio show but um i really liked it but then i stopped listening to it because i don't know it's it's quite cosmic horror in a way and i think it was just actually making me 
um, depressed <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> like it was just fucking with me a little bit because sometimes it would get like quite quite existential, and that was not good for me at that moment. Um, but it is uh, it's not really that grim. It's mostly pretty funny. Um, so I do recommend listening to it if somebody wants to give it a shot. Yeah. So if anyone's wondering, kind of how to find audio dramas, you know, I found Love and Luck through a website called audio-drama.com. And it's a place where it's each audio drama is separated by category. So adventure, um, science fiction, fantasy, comedy, superhero, etc. Or if you know the name, you can browse by name as well. Um, and so I just went to the fantasy section and then that's where I found um, Love and Luck and I read the description and I just checked it out and it linked to their that um, podcast uh, website. And so it's just, a, I think it's a good place to, if you don't know where to start, um, to just kind of browse around. If only someone made some yeah, sort I- of flowchart that you could use to find these audio drums. <laughs> God, if only, if only <laughs> we had someone who made flowcharts on the fantasy end. Oh, if only. Um, so yes, I guess if that doesn't make sense to you, listeners, uh, we do have a flowchart on our website uh, to introduce you to a variety of speculative fiction audio dramas. Um, and so another option, I will say, a website that helps me find audio dramas to listen to is the Directory for Independent Audio Dramas. Uh, and the website is just IndieAudioDrama.com. Uh, so... It's actually made by someone in the indie audio drama community, uh, and it features a ton of really delightful podcasts. uh, And there's much better category and search features than you'll find on, say, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling themselves now. All right, well, uh, any closing notes? Anything we haven't covered that we should? Musicals. Pokemon. Men in dog costumes. Hey, there's apparently a Russian version of that too. Oh God! <laughs> Does it star the same guy? Uh, no, they named it something different. They named it uh, okay. instead of Wilfred. It was called Charlie. So it's still not a Russian name. <laughs> what? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> there's so a translated dumb. version. I don't know. Um, no, but about uh, 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 musicals. Um, so I made a big musical fantasy musical rec list at some point on uh, reddit so maybe we can link that or something but one that i really wanted to mention specifically is um let me let me find the name <laughs> it's wait a second it's ghost quartet uh so ghost quartet is a musical which is available only in um as a cd or on Spotify and so on. Um, there's no video version, and it's kind of like the new weird of musicals because uh, it's there's like multiple plot, la- uh, multiple time periods going on concurrently, and characters are kind of reincarnated as other characters who have a different relationship with each other. So it's based only around four characters who are singing um, during it. But in some of the relation, in some of the songs, they might be sisters, and in other ones, they might be lovers or something like that. And it's uh, based on uh, the Thousand and One Night, um, the Thousand and One Nights, and it's also based on um, Poe's House of Usher. So basically, if you want to get like the full experience, uh, then you have to know that. And like this Grimm's fairy tale by, uh, the, well, by Grimm, the fairy tale Rose Red and 
Snow White, I guess. Um, anyway, um, and it's and the music is quite experimental as well. So it sounds really, really, um, I guess, I guess pretentious. But I promise that it's really fun to listen to. And on YouTube, there is a, uh, a filmed uh, version clip of just one of the songs, which is uh, what if you were if you could be a dead guy, what kind of dead guy would you be? So they talk about the different dead people you could be, for example, a ghost or a mummy and so on. So it's quite a lot of fun. And uh, it's made by the same guy who made Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812, which says something to musical people and says nothing to most of you guys, I guess. Um, but yes, definitely check out Ghost Quartet. Ghost Quartet. It needs more love. Okay, so any final thoughts on alternatives to books as a form of speculative fiction? I think as we can see or hear, I guess, uh, there were a plethora of different options. So if anyone's ever in like a reading slump or something, um, there are a ton of alternative ways to still get that um, speculative fiction kind of uh, fill, if you so desire. Yeah. Book, good. TV, good. Movie, good. Audio drama. <laughs> Musicals, good. <laughs> Also, bashing people with swords is good. Yes, and running from zombies as long as they don't go bankrupt. Zombie runs good. <laughs> it's good. Actually, it's really terrifying, but good. And Escape the Room is good. <laughs> and constantly pushing alternative mediums for consuming stories on your friends and co-blockers hmm. is also good. <laughs> I'm glad we're all in agreement. Uh, anyways, I think that probably about wraps up our episode. Uh, thank you for listening. So you can... Join the conversation with us on Twitter, at the Fantasy Inn. Uh, what other than books do you like in speculative fiction? Do you have a TV show that you enjoy? Do you have a movie that you love or a video game that you like to play to wind down? Uh, let us know. Uh, we'll see if we've played it or seen it too. Um, and you can find us on our website at thefantasyinn.com. Or uh, you can always find our podcast, subscribe and like and rate five stars, I guess. Uh, I don't know how to do this. Uh, anyways, that's it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>